do you have a podcast or were you interested in starting a podcast? Well, then you got to check out Libsyn.com. We host our podcast on Libsyn.com because of its easy setup, its wonderful global distribution, and customized branding. For as little as $5 a month, you can get started today. Sign up using promo code CRIT and get two months free. Take your podcasting to the next level with excellent hosting from Libsyn.com. Hidden behind closed doors and lurking in unseen strongholds, dark forces gather. Today, we reveal some of their secrets <laughs> in Loresmith's remarkable cults and their followers. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Matthew. In case you noticed, uh, that's not Brandon. <laughs> we have temporarily... Uh, uh, have uh, Matt filling in because Brandon is ill, so we hope he gets better uh, soon, especially because uh, next week is Celesta, and I really want to talk about it with him. Anyway, so our show, or here we hope to inspire you with creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure, whether that's in Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder. <laughs> <laughs> or Numenera or whatever other RPG you have. That's one of my favorite parts about this book is it's system agnostic. So whatever fantasy realm you're playing in, this book's got you covered. So, Remarkable Cults and Their Followers is done by Lore Smith. We've covered Lore Smith's content before. He always does. His him and uh, Chris and his team do amazing work. Um, so I'm really excited to delve, uh, delve into this. Do you want to get us started with... Uh, Faces of Villainy. Absolutely. Behind most of the various organizations looms a mastermind. A puppet master, if you will. Mm -hmm. Or in some cases, a tyrant. The power and the abilities are whispered of in rumors, and their history becomes dark legends unto themselves. Absolutely. Secret societies and dark orders take many different forms. We all know that. Sometimes it's the players. <laughs> More forms than the moldering lich uh, on a throne or a sub subterranean ritual chamber uh, filled with uh, chanting cultists, which is my personal favorite because it's classic, right? That's a different guy. Well, I'd still argue. Yeah, okay. I got you. <laughs> As the part of the cult starts singing. Hooked on a feeling. Okay, I'm, I promise that we have focus sometimes. An organization no. <laughs> may dress itself in pristine robes of clerics. Ooh, I like that. And offer blessings from mysterious God to the public. Or don elegant porcelain masks at night to pursue artistic perfection by disfiguring the faces of city dwellers with blades. You know how I got these scars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, likewise, not every dark organization wishes for world domination or an apocalypse. Nope. Some wish to amass fortunes to rival the vaults of royalty, right? While others serve ideals or codes that go beyond wealth or power. No one wants to destroy the world. That's where I store my stuff. 
<sighs> That's a good point. <laughs> That's something that always bugged me a little bit. Um, you want to tell us a little bit more about Remarkable Cults and their uh, followers uh, there, uh, Matt, before we dig into our Absolutely. Top, main topic in detail? Remarkable Cults and their followers is an inspirational world-building guide designed to turn your villains into engaging and memorable adversaries or yeah. allies. Yeah, yeah. Darkness takes many shapes, but this book focuses specifically on dark organizations, and despite the name, not all of them are truly cults. These might range from a secret brotherhood of monks who practice horrifying martial techniques to a group of interplanar wizards who seek out sites unseen by mortals. Whatever you want to create, we want to provide you with the tools to unleash your imagination. Each cult comes with short details on the wealth and resources at their disposal. disposal. Mm. Sorry. As well as services offered favored classes and races, as well as those that are favor- unfavorable to them. Wow. So. Not going to lie. It was kind of fun to uh, read through them. I was going to say, let's before we get into uh, one of the examples, the Temple of New Flesh, which is awesome, by the way. Oh, um, boy. I want to give a, a quick shout out to the writers on the cover here. JVC Perry, Jeff Lee, and R.P. Davis. All are phenomenal, and I feel like the the culmination of some of their work is is in this book. Going through it, I want to kind of get your guys' quick opinion before we delve into it into detail. And don't forget the artist. The artwork is gorgeous as hell. Oh my goodness! But I'd expect nothing less from the team that Laura Smith hires. So it's true. So you mentioned it was fun, kind of going through this. The 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 uh, remarkable cults and their followers. What was so enjoyable for you? Well, for me, it was partly because of the sheer variety that they had available. Mm-hmm. And they, as we firmly established already, they also give you good guidelines of how to build your own if you need it. Because every campaign's different, every table's different, every group has their own needs or interests. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. What about you, uh, Matt? You got any... Uh... Well, admittedly, I've only uh, looked briefly at the book. Probably because you had to fill in. <laughs> I <laughs> think much. we all understand. Um. Yep. But looking at the show notes of the example that you're about to discuss, and I did take a look at the Justicars, it was pretty yes. interesting. Yeah. What was interesting in particular about them? Um, I think, if I recall, I it's not at the top of my head, that's unfortunately. Okay. But I think they're about. I think they're very lawful. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're they can be pretty merciless about it. Yes, and I think that that really stands out because that's the difference yeah. between lawful good and, and or they're they're lawful good, right? Yep. But lawful good means following particular guidelines, not necessarily morality. And as some people both sometimes say it, lawful good does not mean lawful nice, <laughs> right? And we you see that a lot in some. So the the Justicars, I know we don't want to get too much in detail. Uh, there are ten pre-written cults with members, ranks, and quest hooks, which is awesome. Um, the Justicars are cool because I envision them as the very angry, devout paladin, the White Cloaks. Yep. From the Wheel of Time series. Or the Templar from Dragon Age. Ooh, that's a good one too. They're very – they can be brutal in their approach, but they believe what they're doing is righteous. And in some cases, especially with, with a Templar in Dragon Age, like, okay, yes, they're dicks, but they might have a valid point for what they do. They do have a point, right? <laughs> and I think there's a lot of cool about that. And um, the other thing that I really liked about the con, at least one of the things that stood out for me, is that there are um, full-color cult stronghold maps. 
mm-hmm. um, on top of the really fun NPCs that come with them and the just sheer variety of followers. That means every time you introduce somebody, a member f- to the party, they can have these kind of different roles. And that was the thing that really jumped out at me because it's system agnostic. It just says the person is a thug, they're brutish, and it gives you know uh, three or four lines of details that you as the DM can just pick off and feed instantly, which is what is perfect for, for me because I'll read that stuff ahead of time and forget all of it. Yeah. So I, that was one of the things that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, any other things before we go and talk about uh, the unanimous or well, the one that we agreed that would probably be the top, uh, top talking point today. Let's proceed. All right. So we're going to talk about the temple of new flesh. This one is interesting for a number of reasons. <laughs> yeah. It is a prominent uh, fixture in the metropolitan city of Nekaton, I think. We'll uh, go with it. <laughs> adorned by both the city's wealthy and the common folk. That's interesting. They offer opportunities for paradise and immortality. That's uh, that's pretty. Uh, Tempting, wouldn't you think? Yeah, pretty juicy. Yeah. It's free of the judgment of other gods. Powerful and wealthy acolytes uh, luxuriate in the new construct bodies that they possess. Clean, artificial shells that provide eternal life and vigor. That is just... God, that's awesome, and the artwork is phenomenal. In other words, getting goats with these guys, you become a warforged. Kind of, yeah. Pretty much. I was thinking very much iRobot type stuff. The (laughs) poor and downtrodden can also work towards such a reward or simply look forward to a paradise like afterlife requiring nothing more than obedience to the temple. That sounds really, really juicy. I like that. Okay. Oh, yeah. The temple of the new flesh functions like a gristmill. With the souls of poor adherents fueling the factory temples that produce immortal construct bodies, which are then used to persuade the influential and the rich to join the faith. Yes, and that's really intriguing to me because now they're... This isn't a goal that has to be just for the NPCs. No. This can be something the players can strive for. And Ian kind of got ahead of me with the whole, this is a good way to just kind of become a variant like Warforged, Mm -hmm. which I think is cool. Or maybe just a general construct in general. Um, Do you want to touch on this a little bit more for us here, uh, Matt, while I find the page? Sure. Uh, Meanwhile, poor acolytes are pressed to become evangelists or laborers on new temples. Clerics of the temple are carefully chosen based on their loyalty and charismatic personas. But the most critical criterion is their ability to keep the temple's inner workings a secret. The fastest way to advance in the... It's not scrolling. Sorry, that's my fault. Um, Advance in the temple's ranks is to bring in more converts. The more powerful or wealthy the convert, the greater the reward. So um, I really want to delve into this a little bit from more of a reviewing uh, standpoint. The When you first get these uh, uh, cultists, there's a very nice little infographic oh, yeah. that identifies their wealth, their resources, their defensive uh, capabilities, their influence, mm-hmm. because not all cults have a lot of influence. I would say cults that are um, known for and notorious probably don't have as much 
uh, political influence as they would like underground influence um, or even none at all. It also gives details on their services. Um, they're disfavored. So types of people that are they that they just aren't friendly with yep. um, more uh, or people that are characters or races that they are favored with. Um, for what classes, is, for that matter. For classes, yes. So this is a really good uh, guideline for a number of different things, right? You wouldn't expect a high-wealth temple of the new flesh people, artificers, I guess, or constructs to be found in low-town, low-town-type quality areas, right? Nope. So it really is good for setting the scene of where they're at. Like, could you imagine somebody at the Temple of New Flesh got their new shiny armor, walks into a seedy dive, and is like... Oh, Peasants. <laughs> what is this filth upon me? The guy spits, gets it on his shoe, and he just instantly just like bashes somebody's head in because he yeah. ruined his armor or something, right? Did you just spit on me? You're just skin bad enough? Porcelain. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the artwork for these are really awesome. Um, what did you think about the infographics? Because I thought that was a really great uh, header to give you an idea of what you're looking at before you really delve into it. I think it does a very good job of, A, giving a quick generalization of each group before you even look at them. And it also kind of sets the tone for them as well. Absolutely. That's a really good point. What about you, Matt? Um, I think uh, something that's very important with uh, cults is their ranks and their responsibilities. And there's a table here on Ooh, yeah. page 23 that really helps the name of the ranks but also their responsibilities. Ooh, I like that. So, and they, the, 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 you'll see like the, the tables and the, the infographics are throughout the entire book for numerous reasons like that. And that's what I think is really great for a dungeon master who needs to reference things uh, very quickly. And they're short and concise too. Yeah, and that and that makes a difference because it's less to memorize. Um, and in the you're talking about the leaders and followers, right? So uh, that's a really great uh, infographic because it gives you these little rankings, which you can tr use as core NPC features, and you can have them develop an interaction based around those, right? Yep. Like a uh, a temple guard, which is just slightly above an acolyte, co uh, constructs only protecting the factory temples and acolytes, and that's pretty much it. That's all they do. So when <laughs> you as a DM are having the players interact, you can slowly build up this snot that kind of comes with the the higher ranks you know what i mean whether you're a grand architect or a uh uh proselyte teaser proselytizer yeah. yeah well that's my uh public education for you uh, <laughs> or a holy guard and it gives was private <laughs> <laughs> like is that saintly like homeschool no it's a private school yeah i just can't imagine going to private school so i just home private in your home reading a library book Anyway, um, so uh, as Matt mentioned, we've got some very short descriptions. Like for the uh, the architect, it says managing the Faith Forges, which is also an awesome name, controlling the undead acolytes, and building new temples. So you can imagine that in an area where they're planning to construct one of these, you're going to have a lot of these ranked people running around making sure it gets built in and is uh, and done right, done correctly. Yes. <laughs> um, so. Uh, <laughs> The one thing that really stands out of each temple, uh, temp or each cult, is there is a a leader, right? Yep. And they are fleshed out mm -hmm. very well. Or in this case, not so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a construct. I got that. That was really good. <laughs> I feel like I should award you inspiration. 
Yeah, well. <laughs> Inspiration to you, Ian. Okay. You know what you can do with that? Nothing. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's the thought that counts, right? Just like any other gift. So uh, one thing that's really interesting about these is not only do they give you um, details about the NPC's past, but a little bit about their personality, right? Like uh, for Asteron, the grand architect of the faith, it talks quite extensively about its continued augmentation. So for me, that's an instant hook, right? He wants to improve his body. What sort of motive? That's a motivation to do something that he probably wouldn't normally do, right? Yeah. First thing that comes to me, my mind, adamantine is one of the most rare metals in D and D, right? And strong too. And strong. So what if his next upgrade is to forge his body out of adamantine? Ooh. What if? What if that adamantine is underneath a giant home tree of a bunch of natives? <laughs> I just stood there. <laughs> I appreciate that. And they're all running around, and they're bringing the 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 temple of the new flesh is bringing its heavy artillery and its artificers, and all the locals have is spears and uh, bow and arrows. I understood that reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, it's chock full of lore and details and hooks. More importantly than anything else, mm-hmm. um, what are some other things you guys really liked about the the temple of new faith in particular? Well, just the fact that a lot. A lot of it was rooted in the fancy version of science, if you will, yeah. not just magical religion. Yes, and it, it definitely uh, brings that more Eberron, uh high yep. fantasy feel, which I liked. Yep. I could totally. So since Spell uh, Jammer is coming out very soon, the idea that this race, this Asteron guy is looking for a medal now to totally ex- uh, optimize his ship and his armor and his new body and poof appears in this grand futuristic style ship mm-hmm. on Toro and it becomes a sort of invasion. Yep. What a great introduction into Spelljammer. That would be. It's very cool. Um so uh we did touch on the ranks, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep, we did touch on the ranks already, which I thought was really interesting. Um, the other thing that they did that was really cool for each uh, guild um, is they tied um, items to them, special mm-hmm. items, right? Um, and I think uh, uh, some of them are even vile items that are like really bad. They have yeah. negative influences just being around, right? Yeah. Uh, for the the they are cults after all, <laughs> right? Right. Which not. And, <laughs> And I, it does. The book does specify that not all cults are, you know, as a cult, right? Um, some are hidden. Some are maybe not even evil, right? And Andrew may, has a latest comment that would be interesting. A cult that would be fun to use is one that does nothing but benevolent things, like help the poor and rebuild where villages were hit by dragons or bandits. But they're super shady about it. <laughs> this I love it. This reminds me of the. Um, epilogue scene of the Netflix Voltron series. <laughs> the Blade of Marmora becomes basically a non-profit organization to help underdeveloped worlds. Ooh. But they're shady about it? Well, yeah. they were a infiltrator group that was trying to topple the known government of the known galaxy, so... Hmm? That's shady as hell. Yeah. But they're good guys. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Don't judge a cult by its cover. <laughs> Huh? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, anyway, so for each cult, there's different types of items. Like for the uh, Temple of the Flesh, they have illustrious items. For instance, the Amulet of New Flesh. 
Uh, this, these small trinkets are orbs of clouded glass encased in gold-coated iron. While wearing one, an individual is partly susceptible to the preaching of a proselytizer, proselytizer uh, of Asteron and his followers. It dulls the sensation of pain, suppresses hunger, and grants the wearer a measure of vitality. Can you imagine this? This is like the old little uh, holy bracelets all the people at churches hand out, except for it makes you more susceptible to to, to their to their. And grateful. Would you like God. to speak to the war? Uh, wait, uh, would you like to follow my Lord and Savior, <laughs> the Great? What's his name? I forgot. Asteron, the Grand Architect. <laughs> Am I aware of that? Wear this bracelet and lose fifty pounds. So, <laughs> and now all the people that's a weight loss program, everyone's like, Do you saw Jenny? She lost 30 pounds. Yeah, but she's been trying to get me to change my skin to metal. <laughs> I don't know. I think that all these little things make for excellent hooks. Yep. Um, the other thing that they touch on is like, uh, do you want to touch on like the rumors and secrets that come with each cult? Okay. We could. But basically, like, the rumors and secrets behind each cult is like each one has like, a motivation to it. But people, mm-hmm. well, often as as we kind of like touch on already, ask questions. <laughs> yeah, and what happens behind the scenes? <laughs> and it's really cool too because each of the um, and I'd love to hear what Matt thinks about this. Each of the rumors and secrets, they some of them have like this is what everyone else sees. Here's what's really going on. Yep. Yeah, and I think that that's a really important thing. In fact. Going to the next paragraph, the despite the temple's claims that Asheron is the master of his own plane and grants blessings in the form of contract bodies, he's not a true god. Or but a he, god. Yeah. <laughs> he's a dude. He's a dude. <laughs> but he a is player. a supremely powerful artificer and wizard. But he can't hear the, the prayers of his acolytes or grant them boons or the protections they seek. The clerks at Serpent are granted not divine power, and they are basically... And the trans-migration uh, of the souls to his plane is managed through arcane magic, not the normal <laughs> operations of death. He teleports them! <laughs> he's a fake god! That is awesome! Like, And he's like, come with me if you want to live. Like, that's literally what it is. He wants to, 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 to he wants these people to follow him, to get fake bodies so he controls them. Although, to be fair, they do live way longer. Yes, but now they have to follow this guy. What if he just presses a button you go, and just power down? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not yeah. sure how that works. Yep. But that's that's pretty harsh. If you don't do what I say, yeah. I'll reset you. They actually t- touched on that in the <laughs> – You'll list. forget your family. They actually touched on that in the last episode of uh, the Orville on Hulu. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Definitely. Do you want to expand upon that a little bit? Short version, what were the antagonists at the end of the second season and throughout this current season are the Kalons, which are basically a race of robots. Mm-hmm. But that, And, of course, everybody hates them because, well, they kind of want to commit genocide. But then you found, find out that, oh, they were originally a, a, a essentially contracted slaves to the alien race that, that made them. That really? E- that, that even use control devices to inflict pain on them. And they, and they rebel against them. So they basically hate biological... <laughs> Races I don't because hate, of their. Be- I can understand that. <laughs> and even, and even like one of the uh, character who, one character who was introduced to the scene who's very anti Kalen when they find out without where they came from, she's like, oh yeah, that would mess up anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see that. Um, so good point. So um, beyond just uh, the flat the the <laughs> this is interesting. So too many commoners, uh, too many of the commoners, uh, 
the construct bodies of the temple seem like the ultimate symbol of holiness and beauty. They are immortal. They are works of art. They are inspire awe and reverence. And some even revere the owners they uh, of the ascended beings. So to me, this is the ultimate gotcha. Yep. We are all just regular people. We just happen to get this dude's permission to move our mind from one fleshy, weak body of meat and mostly water to a, a metal construct. And to me, that's almost evil because you're taking away um, what they were given and saying what you made is better. Although to be fair, they probably want it at that point. <laughs> yes, but do they want it because they're wearing these stupid wristbands that make them want it? Or make them susceptible, susceptible to their cult, growing their cult? This very much reminds me of a certain uh, background lore of one of Destiny 2's uh, previous major expansions called Beyond Light. It basically talks about the origins of one of the playable races known as the Exos which people's minds were transferred into a humanoid construct and the process of research and developing this was very inhumane and if i don't know the full story but if i recall there were part there were um scraps and parts from one of the antagonizing enemies the vex were involved in the creation process. Interesting. You know, you know um, the founder of this technology, Clovis Bray the First, he invented a portal that would allow the Vex to come through. You shoot them dead, then salvage their parts, and you get research parts to create exos. Yeah. And there were, <laughs> and in these. And I think in his earlier experiments, there were integrations of Vex and Exo parts, which looked very inhumane. There was like Is one Vexo. <laughs> yeah, there was like one room where there was like a factory arm uh, that was just surrounded by piles of Vex bodies. Yeah, sounds awesome. Um, and that's something you can touch on too, because it doesn't really give a lot of details of how they, you know, get into this body. Um, at least unless I missed it. Um, so I like the idea of using a hook to pull their, their brain out of their nose, a la Egyptian, uh, mummification. mummification. And it's extremely painful. That's why he sends you to this other realm. So nobody knows how painful it is. Yeah. Like it's excruciating, almost like torture to the point where, and maybe it takes a really long time. So now I'm just thinking of how easy this can be, you know, very bad. Um, and they give you rumors and details for that, but we're running out of time here. So yeah, uh, I want to talk right. about – no, you don't got to apologize. No, this is 100% awesome. I mean uh, one thing I want to talk about that I think that the book does really, really well is it gives you complex details for creating your own cults. Um, which is great for any DM that wants to homebrew their own stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Um, if you don't want to use any of the 10 that's in here or you want to mix and match some of them, you can do that. And like I said, they got 10 of these, and they're very well fleshed out with rumors and followers um, as well as like influences that that uh, character might have or that cult might have uh, as well as their disposition towards you know certain authorities and stuff. What I think is really cool, though, is beyond just giving the, the complex details to create your own, they give you the rules for player-operated cults. Yep. Which is awesome. Yeah. So 
powerful adventurers may become tired of plundering tombs and you know crawling through dungeons uh, rather than you know taking on a quest of serving a king they may wish to forge their own dark legacy and gain enough power to rival monarchs sages and even the gods maybe even the architect dude himself yeah um maybe <laughs> that'd be a fun one trying to take over his position uh to this end you may marshal their guile and might to form a secret cabal or lay the foundations of an entire empire um and the rules that they are guiding to do this are so damn awesome mm-hmm. from giving you organizational types such as mage cabal you know spy ring Eldritch Cult, Crime Family. I like the Crime Family one. Classic. Uh, yeah, right? Uh, you want to give me a good uh, Godfather impression? I think you had a really good one. You make make me an offer. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm tired. That's all right. Um, it also yeah. gives you different uh, uh, details about those. If you want to be a rebel group, it gives you a whole section on uh, rebel groups can consist of exiled warriors looking for vengeance against former homelands, pretender princes wishing for wrongfully claimed thrones, uh, or uh, anarchic uh, anarchic uh, artificers plotting overthrow using construct warriors. Ooh. That sounds familiar. Yeah, that um, sounds like an alliance. Right yeah, that's see, that's what I'm talking about. It also goes into uh, quite a bit of uh, depth on the size of the wealth and how you can build uh, strongholds and the cost to maintain different things and resources. Um, but most interesting is they give details like a character backstory mm-hmm. um, yeah. where you have to give them like origins and, and goals and motives. Yeah. I don't know. Did you get a chance to peek at that by chance? Either of you? No, no, not really. But I do have um, a good example that was uh, done in action. Um, I watched uh, the second campaign of critical role and there was a special guest that they had, uh, uh, named Mark Humes, who uh, played a female uh, dragon blood sorcerer who escaped from the cult that was that of the Dragon Queen, mm-hmm. um, because she because the character realized how evil the cult was. Like she was lied to her whole life, and they needed her for her black dragon blood. Ooh, yeah. I like that. And so she sought out a um, a blood sacrifice bull, a magical sac- blood sacrifice bull. Spoiler but the, alert! But the party managed to find it and managed to destroy it. Went their separate ways with the party. Nice. I like that. Um, so when it comes to the origins and uh, motivations and goals, it gives you several little tables here, and they're yeah. actually quite nice. Um, This one says the cult was founded when its leader observed a significant astronomical event. Mm. So that's that's cool because did everybody see it? Did only that person see it? Did it really happen? Do they think it happened? There's a lot you can do with these things, which I think is the point, right? Mm -hmm. They're just chock full of inspiration. Um, The one thing that really um, stood out, though, is the detail of power sources. Mm. Um, what is your what is giving the cult its powers or its gifts, right? Because uh, we've talked about this in the past, right? About all cultists that follow should have some sort of flavor that matches whatever they're following. I think they have some of these in the. Uh, uh, I don't think it's Xanathar's guy, Mordenkainen, maybe. 
I don't remember what book it is because I got too many books, but um, <laughs> where they give details of giving the cultists magical spells that relate to whatever they're following. Mm-hmm. So if you're following Asmodeus, you can use the cultist stat block, but give them fire spells maybe, or fire, more fire magic. Or if they're following a celestial, give them you know healing magic and, and stuff. And so uh, a power source that the cults draw on is important. So they give you a collection here that, like here's one, the cult commands... Eldritch power granted by an otherworldly patron. You know what that sounds like to me? Cthulhu. A warlock. Yeah, Cthulhu, right? So maybe their power comes from somebody that the 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 leader has made a de- a, de- uh, a deal with, right? Yeah. So instead of the warlock getting a pact, it's a pact that they can spread to multiple people. Yeah. So all your little minions can have like access to Eldritch Blast and uh, hey, what is it? Hadar's tendril or whatever is the what is the alien? Younger yeah. Hadar or whatever. How is it you know that better than me? I literally look at that stupid book on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> In my defense, I think I look at the SRD more, which doesn't have the name things. But anyway. Uh, all right. So uh, overall, um, you also get weaknesses and secrets because you have to have a weakness to exploit, whether it's a stupid green rock or the color yellow. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Green Lantern, and your stupid weakness. Who, who's like, I'm going to decide a color as a weakness? I'm sorry, that's a personal grudge of mine. That's the dumbest thing ever. Like, you just grab a flashlight and put a yellow filter over the top of it. I've got you now. Batman did that one time to control Green Lantern. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. Oh, man. That's... See? Lemonade. Anyways. <laughs> He's like, sir, would you like some lemonade, a little eight-year-old girl? Sorry, I cannot. Shall I come down there? My power will be re- uh, stolen from me, and I could be attacked at any moment. Anyways, uh, they also include weaknesses and strengths to also go with the power sources, which is really, really great. Um, But it also gives details on creating cult leaders. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the players that are the cult leaders um, and coming up with details. What do you guys think makes a good good cult leader? Hmm. Charisma. Yes. Okay. Charisma is a good one. Those that make you believe in what they're selling. (laughs) <laughs> every that. every car salesman ever <laughs> and you could probably uh when you're trying to make a stat block of theirs give them like expertise in either persuasion or deception Ooh, that's a good one i like that definitely deception definitely <laughs> deception um What's really cool, and this really threw me off when I was going through it, is they have an entire tables for like uh, attire, adornments, personality traits, body details. Like this one says, an arm eternally wreathed in illusory green flame, flowing arcane energy, or twisting eldritch tentacles. How how is your players going to react when a guy's walking around with his hand on fire, just indefinitely? He does like he doesn't even notice. Hey, how you doing, Bill? I'm doing good. Yep. You know. Ready for barbecue? Ah, I've heard that one. Not haven't heard that one before. You know what I mean? So all of this, this whole entire book overall is just, it really is so well done. I wish I could show you guys some more of this artwork. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about on these? Something that really stood out as you guys were kind of scrolling through it? Well, as we firmly established, this book has like uh, 10 different cults in there. Uh-huh. And they range from different options. Like we covered a group of what were effectively artificers that were converting flesh to metal. God, that's so awesome. I it love is. it. But like one that they touch on too, like one that me and Brennan like was the Scarlet Fleet. Mm-hmm. Which vampire is ones, right? Which is basically a fleet that was, run, that was run by vampires. And the thing is, everybody knows they're vampires and they hate the Vort because, well, 
They're vampires. People disappear. <laughs> steal my blood. But they're so tied heavily to the economics of the areas that they trade in that people rely on them. They kind of look the other way. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. Yep. There was another one I liked that was all about entertainment. Yep. Uh, what is the name of that called? That's going to bug me now. Uh, where it basically like was a traveling circus almost yep. of evil mm-hmm. darkness. Like, But you wouldn't know that just by watching it. And everyone went. They had a good time. And next thing you know, your soul sucked away. Like, mm-hmm. like, like I said, the 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 players that are the, the the writers that wrote this, they really just did a phenomenal. The Dreamweavers, yep, yes, when led by a performing enchantress that focuses on mind control and uh, you know, melting your brain. There's a hag, isn't there? A hag that gets you when you're dreaming, some eats your nightmares or something. I don't know. That's about right. There's definitely one of the. I think that's one of the hag's abilities. So that really fits in the, right in line with. Uh, that sort of theme, and I really liked it. So, overall, what would you guys uh, rate this book if on a scale of A through F? I definitely give it an A. You give it an A. I give it an A for its details and um, easy to understand concepts to um, for different types of themes of different cults and how to build your own even better. Yeah, like even if you don't use one of the ten inside the book. It's definitely to create your own, and they can definitely serve as a springboard for inspiration. Absolutely. That's one of the things that really stood out to me. Not only is the quality of the writing uh, really good, um, I didn't personally find any like typos or errors. I know Lore Smith is, hires a lot, a lot of editors, and it shows up. The artwork, the, lay, the layout is phenomenal. The organization is great. But more importantly, the the inspiration and the value that it'll bring to your game is really through the roof. Even if you just picked up one of the random rumors, you flip to a book, you're looking for an encounter for today, and you say, okay, let's see what uh, rumor we got today. This says, there have been rumors that a number of spies have been sent to infiltrate the Justicars and collect the names of its members so that they can be arrested and executed. Various noble families have been suspected of hiring these spies, but no one has been able to confirm whether the rumors are true. That right there, without any other context, is awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a great hook. And that's one of the things that I really think puts this as the top echelon of writing, is because even little bits of it have huge value for any game master. So Definitely. Uh, so, uh, if you... Uh, so, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. so, overall, we give it an A. The book is amazing. Laura Smith and his team really just nailed it. Um, and if you haven't already been convinced to pick it up, you really are not listening. Um, you need to go check it out um, and pick it up and, and let, check out Laura Smith's other content because his entire Remarkable line is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. But it's All right. That'll do it for our main topic today. Um the uh, Lore Smith's Remarkable Cults and Their Followers. You can pick it up on drive-thru. Link in the, link in the thing. Uh, in the chat, you can find it at the blog at our brand new website, uh, nice. which looks absolutely what? gorgeous. First I've heard of it. Yeah, just long, it just came online today, I think. So yeah. um, uh, our past domain people slowed everything down. Uh, but yes, uh, so make sure you check it out. And if you like it, make sure to leave a review. Um, when you're, when it comes to content and third party publishers, your thoughts matter, helping make the products better and letting other people, you know, share that wizards of the coast 
isn't the only amazing creators out there. Nope. So, all right. That'll do it for our main topic today. Um, yep. Oh, I have an announcement before we go to the Unearthed Tips and Tricks, don't I? Yes, we do. So we got a couple of good ones. So uh, you can join us, the Crit Academy. Probably not Matt. It'll probably be Brandon. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe you come. I guess. I don't know. We'll see how schedules work. <laughs> it depends on my job. <laughs> Join Crit Academy at the following upcoming conventions. You can hang out with us. We are going to Grand Con Gaming Convention on September 2nd through the 4th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I am super excited. This con's been going on for since 2012. I think you mentioned when you went it was pretty good. Yeah, I only mentioned the first con, but it was a good one. I mean, originally it was like Kevin College. Now it's the, the Boston line. But even like the one year I went there, they had a, a panel that had Ed Greenwood and Tracy Hickman. So. Yeah, so we're <laughs> super excited to be there. Please come and check us out. What's another we're going to be going to, uh, Ian? The next one is GooseCon Tabletop Convention. September 30th through October 2nd in Cincinnati. That is quite the drive. This is GooseCon's first uh, game. If you don't know what a convention, sorry, this is GooseCon's first convention. If you don't know, GooseCon is run by um, our good friend Adam Deweese. You may know him from such shows as One Shot Onslaught, <laughs> which is one of my favorite, or Lauren Poor, which is another one of my favorite, as well as another multitude of uh, shows. <laughs> Do you even remember that episode? <laughs> uh, I do now after I listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, you need to check it out. We all get drunk and are experts on uh, giants. Some more than others. <laughs> yeah, there's something about a, uh, uh, wiping a, a giants wiping their butt with people. Um, so that came up somehow. Oh. I don't know. Weird stuff happens when I get drunk. So. Oh, that was TMI, dude. <laughs> so, that, whoa, man, I didn't know there was a mudslide. That wasn't a mudslide. <laughs> so... Come and check us out. Come hang out with us. We'll have some panels. We'll do some games. It'll be awesome. All right. Now moving on to our Unearthed Tips and Tricks. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Today's monster variant is the Sand Dealer. If you don't know, master of making sly deals that are almost always in its favor. <laughs> I really like this monster. Um, we're doing a sand-themed adventures for our, our, our patrons. Yep. So, of course, I had to come up with a, 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 a sleazy, shady dealer, right? Because, <laughs> you know, what else are you going to do in the desert? You know somebody's out there hawking stuff that doesn't work, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, to build this uh, sketchy little bastard, you're going to start with the Spirit Naga stat block. Then, we're going to lose its spell list. The spell list is gone. We're going to totally change it entirely. We're going to give it a burrow of 20 feet. Tremor Sense, because this is basically, imagine a slimmed down version of the hut um, with actual claws and teeth. Not mm. whatever. I don't know how he's even threatening, but whatever. Roll over top of you, maybe. connections. Yeah, right? <laughs> Threatens to roll over top of him. All right. We're going to give it a new skills, deception plus seven and persuasion plus seven. Ooh. We're going to give it a new, yeah. We're going to give it a new spell list. Um, the spell list is going to include uh, cantrips such as animal friendship, friends, and prestidigitation. Remind me to come back to friends. Yep. Uh, we're also going to give it bane, charm person, and earth tremor, crown of madness. Are you seeing a trend? Yep. <laughs> crown of madness, earthbind, and sight greed. Uh, and oh. Fast Friends. Now, both of those are from the, uh, 
what is the 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 uh, what it's AI? What is it? Uh, I forget the book. Acquisitions. That's the one. Thank you. Acquisitions Incorporated book. Uh, at fourth level, you're going to do Charm, Monster, and Confusion, and then of course fifth is Gias and Modify Memory. Now. All of that is on top of all the other abilities the Naga has, which already makes it an annoying, dangerous bastard. Yep. We're going to give it a reaction called Defensive Burl. So when a creature hits the Sand Dealer with a melee attack, it can use its reaction to move up to half its Burrows movement without provoking opportunity attacks. Yeah. So, right off of this, what does this sound like to you? A coward. <laughs> That's brutal. What did he do to you? <laughs> like, just because he has mind-manipulating magic, doesn't make him a coward. But but the wrong way part does. <laughs> okay, fair enough. What do you think, Matt? Um, I really don't have any references that comes to mind, unfortunately. Okay. I'm not as cultured as you. Wow, that's okay. You'll get there. <laughs> so the, the focus of this is clearly he's a shady dealer, right? Yeah. He has uh, Charm Person. He has Crown of Madness. He has Insight Greed. He has Charm Monster. Gias. Modify Memory. All these are to make sure the deals go the way he wants. Yeah. And as you were saying, since you want me to come back to this, friends. It's a cantrip that makes people like you. So. For a minute. <laughs> for a minute. And they know you've been, they, you've been manipulated magically. And then they hate you. So here's the thing with this guy. He's always casting friends. Non-stop. He's always using it. Yeah. No matter what. And everyone knows it. Yep. So how do you think your players are going to feel going into a negotiation knowing they're being manipulated right from the get-go? I mean, I don't think... If I recall from the wording of the cantrip friends, uh, after it wears off, the target is aware that they were charmed, yep. but that doesn't mean that they immediately become hostile. That's also true. So it's up to the NPC or PC... How they behave. Yes. I agree. How they react after they realize what had just been done to them. So as a player, would you make a deal with a shady character that's always casting friends cantrip? I don't know. It depends on the character. That's true. And I would say it depends on what's the last thing they cast on you. <laughs> well, so okay, so this is why I, this is why I thought Friends was really good, because if he puts so much effort into the one that's obvious, mm -hmm. do you think the characters are going to know when he used something that's not obvious? Oh, they're going to think that Friends is his one and only trick. Yeah. Wow. And if they do find out, you know what he does? Modify, Modify memory. memory. Which is a powerful spell, but instantly allows oh, them to rewrite. Yeah, and it lets you rewrite their memories for like the last like ten or fifteen minutes or whatever. And then there's Gias, which lets them do whatever, force you to do whatever he wants, basically. But if he if he focuses so much, and here's the here's the cover story for him. I love I'm loving writing this guy. By the way, I write it for a full stat block backstory. He tells everyone that the friends isn't magical. It's just the aroma he gives off. He can't help it. That's why he became a dealer. Uh, so it's not my fault that you're attracted to wanting to do what I want. Hence the plus seven to deception. Yes. Plus the presentation. Yes. All of it. All of it. All of it. That smell, that 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 uh, sand dunesy smell, oh, that's not that's just what I smell like. 
And so it has an effect on some people. Of course, it doesn't affect elves, right? Because they can't, they're immune to charms and stuff. Well, so they're there resistant. is. Well, okay. But there's, there are ways to kind of deal with it and get around it and leverage it. Anyways, is, he's, this is one of my favorite characters I think I've made. Sure. Because it, it, there's clearly no combat, combat power yeah. here. And Lee Keller says he's trick, trick, tricky. I, I believe there's a reference in there somewhere. I yeah, just don't that's, know a, that. that's a, uh, uh, a song. Uh, I can't remember what it is right now. Okay. Uh, anything else on our uh, uh, sand, uh, our sand dealer here? Not for the moment. All right. That'll do it for our sand dealer. Um, would Matt, would you be interested in telling us about our encounter of the podcast? Sure. Our encounter of the podcast is poor Hegelhart. Our heroes hired are hired by the merchant Rime Hegelhart, a female halfling. Rime has been down on her luck. Of her six ships, four have been sunk in the last three months. She is seeking mercenaries to board her vessel, the Wave wave Slicer. She doesn't know who or what is causing her ships to disappear. Many believe it is pirates, but if that was the case, why can't they find the boats? They're burnt! Why does no one ever escape? Rime thinks that it's something more nefarious. Ooh. Of course it is, because Justin doesn't make it so straightforward. <laughs> the truth is, a rising merchant's guild has turned to gather their resources from others. They have Ooh. made a deal with an ancient sea serpent. Rime's vessels were secretly dumping hazardous al- alchemic mixtures into the water during their travels. Oh, yeah. Hildo, an elf druid for... A small merchant's guild spotted them after being asked to investigate the pollution by the sea serpent. Together, they formed a pact. The druid would sneak in and gather shipping manifestos and other information regarding the vessel's paths, and the sea serpent will destroy them. In exchange for this knowledge, the druid and her guild can loot the goods from the ships before they sink. What do you guys think? Very nice. That is devious i mean rame is a polluter it turns out and who knows maybe her dumping grounds is right where the sea serpent lives or or where it, their kin is Ooh. so it's like poisoning like the little baby ones or something oh i like that that would make any mother angry oh yeah <laughs> right what do you think ian it's a good encounter, and there's definitely two sides to play off each other. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed the the fact that I'm hiring you, but I'm the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, very much. I mean, and she's not, she's not, she's upset that this is happening to her, which it is. Yeah, she just doesn't tell you why it's happening. Yeah, and maybe she, that's why she thinks it's more nefarious, right? Yeah. So that's really interesting, and I can see the players halfway through, like, ah, tough. We're gonna sink your other two ships. Just, just a thought. I also like the espionage part. That's kind of part of it. Mm-hmm. Trying to catch this person that's responsible. So, wow. Uh, all right, that'll do us for our encounter. Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Our magic item today is the lacquered dryad carving. Many druids rely on the pet protection of the forest for their defense. Using roots from a tree that is a host to the a dryad, they carve and lacquer a small segment of roots in the form of the host dryad. Cool. This temporarily imbues the carving with the dryad's power. Ooh. It is a common item, and it's also a reagent. And when you cast the Barkskin spell, you can add the, the lacquered dryad's carving to the material components of the spell. 
When you do, the target's AC is enhanced and can't be less than 17, regardless of what kind of armor they're wearing. Ooh. And the carving has enough direct power to last 1d4 plus 1 uses before it's consumed by the spell. So, your mileage may vary. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, this is one of our spell reagents. It's an item that we release weekly for our patrons on little cards that are two-sided cards that they can hand out and can use. Um, obviously, if you don't know, the bark skin usually grants you a bonus to eight, 16 is yep. the minimum you can go. Yep. This is a bonus by one, making that spell that much better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about this consumable spell reagent? Yeah, this is very interesting. Well, the um, fact that it's common means you can come across you can this come across or make it, often. it fairly easily. Yep. Yeah. That was the hope. Um, overall, it's pretty straightforward. I really like these things, and we're doing a whole bunch of them for our patrons. So if it sounds interesting. You can come check out the rest. Um, any other comments on that? Nope. No, not really. Alrighty. Moving on to our Dungeon Master tip. Well, spell reagents in general. Yeah, spell reagents in general. So, uh, spells are a great power in fantasy world of magic and sorcery and often contain combinations of three core rituals. Magical words, somatic components, uh, and of course... Materials. Material components, right? Now, let's be honest. Most players hate tracking material components. Oh, yeah. And especially given the default space in the character sheets, you can't really blame them. Can't blame them. <laughs> well, and sometimes it's just monotonous and obnoxious, right? But it's also a tool to limit some of the spells that they have access to regularly. Because yeah. some of them, some of said spells can be very overpowering when you disregard the material components. Absolutely. Um, I think Revivify is one of those, I think, has like a 300 uh, gold diamond requirement. Yep. Those aren't exactly lying around. And if you look at look at loot hordes, finding exactly a diamond's worth, you get an agate, you might get a, 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 a malachite or some artwork. It really depends on the diamond. But finding a 300 gold diamond, that's something the DM truly controls. Anyway, uh... Bards sing stories of great musicians and, you know, with their magical words and young children playfully shouting words like abracadabra and flinging their hands and all that stuff. It's very well known. So spell components are something that is often treated as cumbersome and and inconvenient. But I think that for me, that's part of the fun of the role play because saying um, a bat guano for fireball (laughs) – Reaching into a pouch and pulling out a bubble of bat guano and then flicking it and then having it burst into flames is way cool, I think. Yeah. Now, not everyone thinks that way. Mm. But now my finger smells like bat guano and my character will probably rub around, you know, hey, guess what the smell is? I play stupid characters. But anyways, <laughs> um, so that's why I wanted to include spell reagents as a powerful tool for dungeon masters. Um, and not only are they great quest hooks, um, because revivify perfect example going on a quest to find enough to make sure that well there's five of us we need to come up with quite a lot of money well sorry bill if you go down first you ain't getting one (laughs) because we found you know what i mean so utilizing um the npc or the the npcs and the monsters in the world you can use those as powerful tools for building out the lore of those spell reagents, right? Mm-hmm. Bat guano is a really good example. I love the idea of somebody slaying a vampire and then just getting a buttload, quite literally, of bat guano. 
Yep. Now, keep in mind, reagents aren't just your default agile components. They add a little bit extra to the spell when you use them. Yes. So when you do reagents, um, you want them to have a little more oomph. Let's do the vampire guano, for instance. Wow, that's really disgusting to think about. Wow. Um, but that's where my brain went because we were talking about the scarlet people and it's just right. – anyway. Uh, that extra component might mean when you cast a, a spell, a fireball spell using vampire guano, maybe it cast at two levels higher. And then it's consumed. Maybe it adds an extra 5 or 10 feet to the spell radius. Ooh, I like that one. Oh, or, oh that's good. Or maybe you get to re-roll all one to that roll. Ooh. Increasing the average damage, right? Yep. So including special reagents, especially if they get them from resources such as NPCs, monsters, or um, environmental effects. Harvesting of, you know, trees and stuff is a good example, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh... So yeah, consider try adding uh, spell reagents to your uh, D and D game. Just enhance the ones that are already list. Look at the material component. Bat guano. What's another creature that can that can substitute that with? Cloaker guano. I don't know. Something right. Yep. Um, good arcana checks make that a lot better to do. Pigeons All right. actually. <laughs> what? Pigeons actually. Pigeons. Yep. Really? Of course, I'm not sure how valid that is, but hey. Dude. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Rocks. R O C, not R O C K. Yeah. Rock guano. Oh. Makes the fireball blue and does cold damage? No, that doesn't make sense. No. Changes the color. Doesn't do anything but change the color. <laughs> Your fireball was white. Yeah, uh -huh. that was weird. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Uh, use spell reagents. Um, our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by using a magical rampart. <laughs> Justin. What do you mean, rampart? Well, I'm so glad that you asked, Matt. <laughs> the satyr race is often portrayed as a gleeful troublemaker. Can we all agree on that? Yep. But mm -hmm. they can be just as stalwart as any other race. Their unique traits make them exceptional paladins. Like, oh my goodness, their paladins are, as paladins, they're awesome. Um, so, tanking foes on the front lines and protecting their allies... Uh, from, you know, enemy threats. Everyone's what paladins do. It's kind of their shtick. Yep. The satyr's unique fey creature type immediately gives them superior defense against many different spells. Most notably, charm person and hold person. Now, I mean, it's worth noting that they don't have any particular reasons against those spells. It just those spells screw you over and they work. <laughs> yes, yes. As a tank, that's bad. Yeah. You don't need the person, and I know tank's not a thing, and, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The guy on the front line, losing control of them so they can just run around him is a big problem. Yeah. Uh, so avoiding any sort of spells yeah. that might cause you to lose control of your character, those are just the two examples that I tied in there. Yeah. Uh, Tasha's hideous laughter is another one. Anything that's incapacitating, right? So now that you've chose the satyr, they have magical resistance trait that grants them advantage on saving throws against spells. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, what a fantastic ability, right? Yeah. Now you have a high AC with heavy armor and advantage on magical saves. Wow. Alright? But wait, there's more. This is already an award-winning combo, I promise. Right? But, if we pick the Oath of Ancients Paladin, which is a subclass of Paladin, if you don't know, uh, we can stack this effect with the Aura of Warding. Huh? This allows the Paladin to not only have resistance to damage and spells, but it also gives it to the allies. And combining resistance with the spells means when you take half damage, 
it halves it again. So you're only taking a quarter quarter. damage. Wow. So you have vengeance saving throws against spells. You resist damage from spells. Not to mention the core feature of aura of protection that all paladins give that allows them to add their charisma modifier to the saving throws to them and their allies. Yep. This is just... You're just going to ram right through the front lines. Yep. (laughs) What do you think? That is an interesting idea to create a character. Definitely. (laughs) It makes... You're using a unique race, Mm -hmm. and you're using one of the earliest subclasses of paladins to boot. It's the most tankiest option to go for it. That's awesome. Yeah. And honestly, the part that I think would just be super, super fun is to play the the, the satyr as gaudy as possible. You better ready. I'm about to hit you with my mallet. (laughs) Stupid dog. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, uh, did you have any thoughts on this? I I thought this was uh, pretty cool and a nice combo. Definitely is a screw you to magic casters. Mm-hmm. And to melee, because you know, that's always the thing, right? Usually you have really high AC, but you still are melee. weak against spells um, to the point where um, that needs to be, that becomes your big drawback. Yeah. Like, I like to mind control people, right? Specifically high armor class people, because I'd rather them fight for my, my NPCs than fight against my NPCs. But this really helps... Uh, reduce that risk significantly now they can just take a fireball right on and just be like pull a uh, luke skywalker right yep so um now i want to say if you use this at your table please 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 let us know how it goes (laughs) because i want to hear all about how pissed off your dm was (laughs) all right anything else we have a new website well we're not there yet we are now. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. <laughs> Don't um, be a dick. Yeah. That'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by building the tankiest satyr ramming, or, uh, satyr ramming right through the front lines as possible. And you're welcome. Yep. Now go forth. And because their horns are a natural weapon, you can smite with it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I forgot about that. You can smite ram things? Are you kidding me? And yet you can't punch punch smite things. It makes no sense! <laughs> Wizard, we need to have a talk. <laughs> I think hopefully that'll fix that in the update to the PHP. All right, so that'll do it for our show today. Um, before we close out, we just want to take a moment to please check out our website. Um, we've got lots of goodies there. There's freebies if you sign up for our newsletter. Um, in addition to, there's a resource there of some of our favorite D&D resources when we're running games. So please consider checking it out. I'd like to take a moment to thank Matthew for joining us today. I always enjoy your insightful com- your insightful conversation. Um, thank you for so, having me. Yeah, You're welcome. It's awesome. Thank you for filling in. I feel like when that seat's empty, we're just not quite the academy. More like... Uh, a duo. Yeah. Would you say a dynamic duo? Oh. No. Oh, whatever. No. All right. That'll do it for our show today. It, uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to support us, visit CritAcademy.com, as I just said. Follow us on social media. Leave us a review. Somebody just left us a one-star review on iTunes because apparently we are too much like shock jocks. And apparently that's not their shtick. Who? I have no idea. I forgot. I don't remember the person's name, but we're shock jocks. 
which that may have been true early on. I don't I don't really remember. That was 270 episodes ago. <laughs> Anyways, that'll do it for our show today. I'm your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Matthew. Thanks for listening. Keep Sorry. your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Oh, yeah. See you guys later. Bye.